Hallelujah. My prayer for all of us is that this season will help us to really, 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 really appreciate our families, appreciate the people God has given to us, appreciate those who are around us, appreciate what it is to have family and friends. But even above all, that it will bring us to a place where all the unnecessary issues and even the necessary issues and barriers that we have erected and all the pain that we have stored and all the unforgiveness that we have kept and loaded up. I pray that in this season, it will be a time to let it go. Because now the person you are even angry with, you can't see them. And you are not even allowed to go near them. So I pray that God will use this time that all extended family quarrels that have lasted for 10 years, 20 years, for generations past, generations yet to come, that this will be a time to break all those boundaries and to let go of all our family fights, mother against uh, child, child against father, whatever, auntie against uncle, grandparents, and this, uh, you know, the East family against the West family. I pray that this will be a time that we realize how fruitless, how unnecessary all those things are and how inconsequential they are when real issues arise. Amen. I really pray for us that on this Mother's Day, anyone who has challenges with their mother or their grandmother, that you will let it go. You will let it go. Because this season has taught us how fearful we even are of death. Even the death of the people we say we don't like. And so we don't want to have that experience that it has to take something like this for us to value the people around us and to appreciate them and to love them. You know, and um, it's amazing how God can use things like this to bring us back to order and to also even let us offload a lot of things that we are carrying. You know, because when you have to stay indoors for so long, you can't have too much clutter around you. You can't have too much clutter around you. In fact, I want to encourage somebody listening to me that I don't know what the state of your house is, but rearrange the house so that it will be joyful. So that the spirit and the air that is flowing between one window to the other window is one that you can stay in for however many days you need to stay in. Yeah. If there was a lot of noise, reduce the noise and turn it into music. Let there be a joyful sound in your house. Let, you know, I, I couldn't understand how some people have been so agitated that they have to stay home. I just, I have found it such a great blessing. <laughs> and and you know, I was having a chat with my daughter and she was trying to explain to me that, mommy, not everybody wants to go home. And I was like, how can you not want to go home? And then the Lord prompted me that not everybody's home is welcoming. Not everybody's home. In fact, some people's marriage have lasted because they work so far apart. So now we have no choice but to bury the hatches, straighten out the issues, and love each other. Because whether you like it or not, I'm around you. 
for 24 hours for the next number of whatever. So the earlier you let me become joyful, the better. <laughs> because we are in this, <laughs> you know. And you think about it. If whether it's your housemates, whether it's your family, your brothers, your husband, can you imagine when the atmosphere in the house changes? How much joy and how we would appreciate it that God has given us another season of joy. To say, yeah, because you see, the devil thought he would turn it into something, but rather, I believe that this is a season that relationships should become closer. I believe that when we calculate nine months from now, a lot of marriages will have more children. Hallelujah. That was a word from the Lord to his children. Amen. Yeah, you see, change the perspective from which you are looking at this situation. Change how you are focusing on this situation. You know, especially if you are a child of God. If you are a child of God, whether it's raining, whether it's sunny, whatever the seasons are, God is always with you. And God can turn even that which seems dead, can bring it back to life. So I see marriages coming back to life. I see relationships being restored. I see parents and uh, children, you know, their love be rekindled. I see a new season in our homes. That is why we are being quarantined to our homes, to sort it out. Because we have never had time for it. We have had excuses of work, of this, of that. No excuse whatsoever now. We are all here. Let us bring joy back into our homes. And we, yeah, so you might as well praise him. Yeah. Select the nice music that you can, le- uh, you can play. And those of us who don't know how to dance, learn one or two. This week, I saw a certain dance being learned in my home. I haven't learned it yet, so I can't show you. But hopefully by next Sunday, I would have learned the new dance. And I will come and show you. Yeah. You know, the last few days, I've been just thanking God. I have been so grateful. I have... I have always known that God has shown mercy and been good. But honestly, having the children at home and um, seeing them try and, you know, think that they are stressing me out is so joyful. Yeah, and so I gave them two rules as they have come from their different universities. Just make sure you clean up after yourself and leave my kitchen as you came to meet her. And your life will be joyful forever and ever Amen. I see a mother on my screen being blessed by this, being encouraged by this. Yeah. You know, my, my word for us today is that, you know, that God will give us a certain wisdom that will begin to walk in it, grow in it, live, live with it. You know, I just want to encourage us for a very short period that a mother's crown is her wisdom. A mother's crown. Is her wisdom. And I don't think it's just a mother. I think that for every child of God, the crown you carry is your wisdom. Do you understand? Because when wisdom is well applied and well used, there is nothing you cannot navigate. There is nothing you cannot build. There's nothing you cannot get through. So I pray that these few moments that we have will be blessed. We're going to read a bit of scripture. You know, those of us who have never liked scripture, now is the season to like scripture. When you wake up, you have to read your Bible. When you finish eating, you have to read your Bible. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, for those who are into Netflix and YouTube and things, Netflix and YouTube, they are rationing their portions because of the uh, volume 
and the mass. So at some times of the day, there is not, it, it will not be there for you to watch film. So let your Bible be on standby. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4, the Bible says, I'm going to read from verse 7 and 9. I'm reading the NLT. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you place a price on wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. Amen. Wisdom will present you with a beautiful crown. Wisdom will present you with a beautiful crown. Psalm 90 verse 12, the Bible says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. The King James says that, Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. But the NLT is saying that, Teach us to realize how short life is so that we may grow in wisdom. Amen. I believe that this period is a time that we are going to realize that, listen, the seasons of life, they are so short. You know, people had made very great projections. Businesses had made so much. This year, we are going to increase our profit margin by this. This year, we are going to grow by this. This year, you know, people who worship the stock market and things, at the beginning of this year, they were working on cloud nine. You know, that by the grace of God, you know, their shares have multiplied. They have increased by 30%. They are, you know. <sighs> and then it took a moment to realize that, you know. Yeah. They, 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 you know, Reverend always says, God comes and just blows on it. <sighs> yeah. Some of us, some people, some Christians, even use their tie to buy shares. But then you just see that it's a short time and it's gone. But wisdom will guide you through the different seasons of life. The verse 7 said that it will give you good judgment. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Getting wisdom is one of the wisest things you can do. There are different, a couple of dimensions of wisdom. And we're just going to touch on a few that I think are very relevant for a mother. Because... A wise mother sees things very different from an, un, from an unwise mother. Proverbs 8, the Bible says, I'm reading from verse 1. Do you hear, I'm reading a message Bible. Do you hear Lady Wisdom calling? I don't know if I told you this. You realize that in scripture, wisdom is described in the female term, isn't it? As a hair, as a woman. And I was wondering why is she, is it she, do you understand? But the reason is because wisdom is being placed in a place that we should have the kind of desire. See, when a man has a strong desire for a woman, the way he craves for and goes after and um, will do whatever to reach and attain, that is the, the kind of relationship we should have with wisdom. Do you understand? That whatever it takes to get this wisdom, we are going to get it. It says that, do you hear Lady Wisdom calling? Can you hear Madam Insight raising her voice? <laughs> She's taking her stand 
at the first and main, at the busiest intersection, right in the city square where the traffic is thickest. And she shouts, you, 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 you. I'm talking to all of you. Everyone out here on the streets. The verse 5 is not very good. I don't even know why they put it there. Listen, you idiots. <laughs> okay. Learn good sense, you blockheads. <laughs> Shape up. It's only the message Bible that will say that. Verse 6. Don't miss a word of this. I'm telling you how to live well. I'm telling you how to live at your best. Amen. So what is the Bible saying that when wisdom is present, you are more likely to live the very best life you can have. You are more likely to bring up your children in the very best way possible. Everybody has their best life. Do you understand? My best life may not necessarily be your best life, but wisdom will help you achieve your best life. And the first dimension of wisdom that you must crave for and you must want to walk in, especially as a parent, as a mother, or as a carer of others, is the governing wisdom. The governing wisdom. The rulership dimension of wisdom. King Solomon taught us that when we read First Kings chapter 3, the Bible says, I'm going to read from verse 7, the NLT. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David. But I am like a little child who does not know his way around. Most parents will acknowledge that when they started having children, they had no clue about parenting. Yeah. Verse 8, and here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. You always see your children and your family as belonging to God. Yeah, we are all stewards. Give me an understanding heart, Lord, so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. Solomon was asking God, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern these great people of yours? Most of us have tried in our different ways. You know, we read all kinds of books, you know, good parenting skills, best mother of the year, all these kind of things. And still, we get confused at how our children are turning out. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice, and I've not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart, such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you also long life. Amen. What is governing wisdom? It is the wisdom that will help you to run your home well. Amen. It will help you to run your home well. You know, one of the greatest blessings, even as a human being, is to know the battles to fight and the ones not to fight. And the ones to avoid. 
it is a blessing to be even able to know when do I straighten my child? When do I discipline my child? When do I let it go? What kind of discipline do I need to use in this particular situation? What is too much? What is excess? What is too little discipline? Because we are all aiming to do the very best for our children. But really, it is only God who can give us guidance. It is only God who can give us guidance. There is no human being, I don't even care whether the person is a junkie, a call, whatever, who desires to bring up their children wrongly. No. Everybody's heart desires that they'll bring up their children well. But it is only a certain wisdom that comes from God that can help you to navigate so that you can discipline them, run them, deal with them well, order them, guide them. The other thing about governing wisdom is that it helps you to manage and balance the resources you have. What am I talking about? Including your time, your money, your emotion. Most of the frustrations of parents is either because they feel that they don't have enough time that they're spending with their children, or they decide that they're going to stop everything and just take care of their children. And, you know, just even getting that balance right, you know. What is too much? What is spoiling a child? What do you define as spoiling a child? When am I spoiling my child? What do I give to my child that will turn them into a spoiled brat? Because sometimes you're even doing it out of guilt. Because you work so long hours that at least if you can buy them all the gadgets they need, all the days, they'll be occupied, they'll be busy, they'll be, they'll be happy. They'll also be able to tell their friends that they also have this. But that's, is that what they need? That's why it said that, so that you'll be able to tell right from wrong. The governing wisdom also helps you to be organized. When you are not organized, you become a very frustrated parent. Yeah. And your children also become frustrated. Do you know that when children are not disciplined from a very early age, it becomes very difficult to discipline them after they have grown to a certain age? Yeah, because if your child is five or six or seven, and whether they study or not doesn't matter, why is it that when they get 11 or 12, now you want to force them to study? It doesn't work. Do you understand? So it means that you have to become organized right from the day that the doctor or the pregnancy tells, test tells you that you are pregnant. Immediately, you have to become organized because now it's not just about you. Now it's not just, I used to be so amazed, you know, many years ago, I had, in fact, she was my friend from primary school, actually, and then she became a church member. She was my mate from primary school. She became a member of the church, and she joined the choir, and she had five children. The youngest was like a few months old, and the oldest was maybe about eight, and between eight and, she had five, between the ages of eight and a few months. And I, what was amazing, she was always at rehearsal. She was among the first in church every Sunday. I mean, she would stay for whatever meeting is being. And she comes to church well dressed, speak and span, all with her makeup, everything on point. Those times they didn't have extra eyelashes. I have to ask her if she started putting 
some on she probably has but she will have her makeup her i mean well dressed she hasn't come to church like you know there was fire in the house and she ran out of the house you know, and all her children will be looking sharp 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 you would think that she just came to church by herself but she literally gathered and even at that time she wasn't driving and she has gathered her five children found whatever means of trans and has arrived in church and then you see a 19 year old person who lives by themselves who woke up five minutes before service started and rushed in and dragged themselves in and they, I couldn't get time to. Yeah. Governing wisdom to money. As we speak now, four of, three of her children have finished university. The fourth is in university. The other one is just about to go. One is a doctor, one is a lawyer. The one who is a lawyer is now going to medical school to also become a doctor lawyer. The other one is a whatever. The other one is also in law school. There, yeah. And she's still the same. She's still singing in the choir and still. It's a grace. It's a grace. Yeah, it's a grace. And some have no children and they can't get their head around their personal life. <laughs> it's like, they'll tell you that the 24 hours is not enough. If God will only stretch it to 28, they will get, you know, four more hours too. It's not about the hours. It's about your ability to organize. And sometimes somebody has just one child. And the child will stay up all night and won't do their homework. And won't get their uniform ready. And so it's 10 to 7. The school bus is coming in 10 minutes. Where is your uniform? I can't find it. Have you had bread? Where is it? I've lost my book. Have you signed your book? Have you? Meanwhile, just next door to you, somebody also has five children, and all the children have eaten. They've all finished their homework. They've all got their things together. They've even had their quiet time. They had family Bible study, and they have the, and they are waiting for the bus. And then they see you dragging your one child. I will beat you. You see, the reason why you want to beat your child, is not because your child has done anything, but it's because you are disorganized. <laughs> it's your anointing that you have passed on to them, and they are following closely in your footsteps, you know, but what can the poor child do? They have to take responsibility for you. <laughs> the next dimension is the practical dimension. The practical dimension. What am I saying? Stop being philosophical in your counseling and become more solution-oriented. Become a problem solver. There is this nag about mothers that they generally like to mourn. I don't know if it's just part of when you get pregnant, there's a certain seed that is sown somewhere in between. You know, because by the time the child is born and you start communicating with the child, by the time they are four or five, five they just recognize, okay, mommy just moans. But you see, mourning does not solve the problem. Morning does, you never do this. You haven't done this. Always, it doesn't change anything. Are you going to find a solution to how we can stop that? Yeah. Why are they always late to school? We solve that. Why are they not doing so well in school? What are the options? What are the challenges? So rather than being a mourner and a critic and, you know, become more solution-orientated, why? Because after a while, your children just tune out. In fact, the whole family tunes out. If you're a wife who likes mourning, after a while, your husband also tunes out. It becomes like music. Where's my music? It becomes like music in the background. 
it becomes just noise. You are just expecting it. Yeah. I had to learn it. That I realized that when my children are expecting me to mourn, I won't mourn. So that I can go against the grain. Because if, if you become a mourner, you can't solve any problem. They are just going to hear you, da, 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 and then they'll just continue with what? So rather than mourning, become a problem solver or find a way to get the problems solved. When I say become a problem solver, it doesn't mean that you should have an answer to everything. And I think that sometimes as parents, that's one of our shortcomings or our Achilles heel, if I can put it that way, is that we want to be able to solve every problem. That it is not necessarily that you have a solution to every problem. And as a parent, you must be able to tell your child that this one, I'm not sure what to do about it. Let me find out. Do you understand? Let's pray about it. Let's ask. Let's investigate. Because when you tell your child that this one, I don't know, you actually gain trust and confidence. Because then when you tell them this is this, they believe you because they know that if you don't know, you will say you don't know. But if you have an answer to everything you know, everything you know, then they just begin to assume that some of them, you just make them up. And sometimes, especially as a leader, you just feel burdened that you must have a solution to everything. You must have an answer. You know, yesterday, I, I realized that Kian came to ask me a question. I gave him an answer for the first one. Then he came to ask me again, should I wear this? I gave him an answer. Then he came to ask, I said, this one I don't know. He said, you are not helpful. I said, I'm sorry, this one I'm not helpful. <laughs> because the place he was going, I don't know. What they do there, he, yes, he asked me that, will that place be cold or warm? How am I, how am I supposed to know? <laughs> I have never been to that place before. I don't even know what goes on inside that place. He wants to know whether he's appropriately dressed for. I said, brother, I answer most questions. This one, I can't answer. Because if I tell you wear something, wear a lot of layers, and you go and the place is very warm, you're going to send me a message. Mommy, the place was actually very hot. If I tell you that, oh, I'm sure they'll keep the place warm, and you go and they keep the place very cold, and you are in some very t-shirt or something, you're going to send me a message. Mommy, I'm freezing. So just as you don't know, me too, I don't know. But the only thing I can say is that you can call and ask them what is suitable. Whether it's cold, because I don't have answer. I don't work there. But you see, a lot of the time, as parents, because we answer almost all questions, at a point, it's assumed that we know everything. That is why a husband can tell a wife, one day, apparently, a husband and wife, they were in their room, then there was a loud sound. And then the wife was like, what is this? And then the husband said, oh, the plane is blowing his horn. And the wife was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because once you assume that, once I assume that you have all the answers for the question, um, I, I am expecting an answer for you, you know. Yeah, recently I realized that, you know, my husband and I seem to have that relationship. Even when we are watching something on TV, say, ah, this guy, who is he? And I'm supposed to have an answer. So at a point I told him that, no, brother, this kind of questions that you have been asking me, it is not appropriate. I, I don't know. One day we're listening to the news and then the guy just got up from the behind the seat with a walking stick. And he was walking with a walking stick. Then Reverend asked me, oh, what is wrong with his leg? I said, ah, we are sitting behind the screen. I don't know the man. Never met him. He's not my brother. He's not my relative. He's not even my countryman. I 
don't know. Then I looked at him. I said, okay, you want an answer? I said, okay, I can tell you an answer. The way he's working, his leg could probably be due to. How can I give you an answer? Get to the place where you are able to tell your children you don't know. They might even bring a homework. You and Matt, you have been enemies since time began. <laughs> Having children does not bring a mathematics anointing or a science anointing. It doesn't bring one. Your displacement of it remains the same. In fact, it's even worse because by virtue of nature, the brain, isn't it, reduces its capacity to, yeah. So it's not a time to come and say, yeah, quadrat, quad, quadra, quadratic. Oh, yeah, quadratic. Yeah, okay, you leave the paper and pen with me. <laughs> 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 yeah, I remember when my children were doing French. You know, sometimes they themselves, they'll be bringing their French homework towards me, then they'll remember and say, Mommy, no, it's okay. <laughs> we'll wait for daddy to come. It's like, yeah, you know, it, it makes life easier for you. Because if I was said, Oh, ah, yes, we, mon ami, mon père, oh, my father, my father. <laughs> Because then the one that the subject that they know that you know and they bring it, they will. And then one that you don't know, you say, listen, I, I remember when um, uh, Pastor Doji's wife came and I saw her interactions with Phoebe in the French. I said, Phoebe, from today, all your French queries, this is Aunt Emilia's number. Call her. So when she got her, Esther, whatever, Esther, whatever, I said, please, call the person to whom you owe that uh, the mark to and say thank you because that is where it's coming from. Do not be somebody who has an answer to everything. Amen. Become practical in your problem solving with your children. When you are frustrated, you don't know how to discipline your children, get counsel and get good advice. Amen. The next one, let's be finishing moral wisdom, the moral dimension. What am I talking about? The ability to differentiate between right and wrong. It was one of the blessings that the Lord gave to Solomon. That he would be able to differentiate between right and wrong. A wrong thing does not become right because it's your child who has done it. It's amazing. You see, growing up, I just, at a point, I just realized that when any child goes wayward, the parents will always say the friends that he related with. You see, because of the friends he went, he went into bad company. Who are these people, this bad company? Because every time, nobody will ever say that, oh, it's my child who has messed other people's children up. It's always somebody else. My son was very good till he went to mix with these people. Proverbs 8, the Bible says in verse 6, Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Amen. He says, my advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. Become somebody who is generally truthful. 
with your children and with your family. Yeah. Because you see, when you, are, when you lie and you think you have lied to cover your child, what you don't know is that you're also teaching your child how to lie. And what we don't realize is that, I was thinking about this recently, that the children we are raising, we should remember that we are raising somebody's wife, somebody's husband, somebody's future father, somebody's future mother. So if we are teaching them to know that no is no and yes is yes, and to let them, listen, it's not your place to rebuke somebody else's child or to necessarily discipline somebody's child that they haven't given you permission to do that. But as for the ones that are your children, when your child has done something wrong, tell them that it is wrong. When they are doing something wrong, tell them that they are doing something wrong. When you have done something wrong and it comes out, say that this is wrong. Let your yes be yes. Let your no. It says that give wholesome advice. Give wholesome advice. Give wholesome advice. Give, you know, till today it still exists. You will find parents who are ready to buy exam questions for their children so that their children will do well. Instead of helping the children to study and pass. Recently in America, some parents were jailed for finding dubious ways to get their children into Harvard and other high-end uh, universities. They were paying $500,000, one million. Meanwhile, the children were airheads, dense. And then they'll say, oh, they have rolling days, they are good at basketball, they are good at this, they have never touched a ball. And then they'll show them with a picture by sailing boat. Or, I mean. Second Corinthians 1, the Bible says in verse 17, are you now going to accuse me of being flipped with my promises? Because it didn't work out. Do you think I talk out of both sides of my mouth? A glib yes, one moment. A glib no, the next. Well, you are wrong. I try. Somebody say, I try. I try. I try to be as true to my word as God is to his. Our word to you wasn't a careless yes, cancelled by an indifferent no. This is a message Bible. How could it be? What is all the Bible saying? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because you are not bringing up your child just for you to say my child has been brought up well. But this is going to be somebody else's responsibility, somebody else's liability at some point. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And as mothers, your daughters may learn certain things from you on how to relate with their husbands and all that. As fathers... Your sons will learn certain things from you on how to treat their wives. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. Sometimes parents call their children to lie for them to their mother. Tell mommy we only went around the corner. Yeah. You know, recently I was counseling a lady who, a young lady, whose father used to take her to his girlfriend's house. For a very long time, he picks her from school and takes her to auntie whatever's house. Takes her to Auntie Whatever, and Auntie Whatever will cook for her nicely, give her presents. And when she was in high school, Auntie Whatever will come and visit her. Till one day, Auntie Whatever was pregnant. And then Auntie Whatever's baby came. And somebody came to tell her mother that this woman has had a baby with your husband, and that your daughter knows. What kind of of example have you set for her? First of all, she will become suspicious of any man even she gets married to. 
And her, her children would never understand why every evening when they come from school, where did daddy take you to? Where did you go? You know where that story is coming from, but it's coming from a very far place. Are you sure? Did you come straight from school? Which house, whose house did you stop in? What did you do there? When you went there, what happened? Who was there? You should set a good moral example for your children. Yeah. You can't be watching foolish things and not expect your children to watch foolish things. Yeah. You cannot be using bad language and expect your children not to use bad language. Yeah. Recently, a little boy who was about four was uh, suspended from school or whatever, you know, for swearing and insulting other four-year-olds. And the mother was distraught and very angry. Why should they let... So I asked her, where did your child learn these words from? Yeah, but we've told him not to use them. <laughs> he should just hear them and listen to them. <laughs> but he should make sure he's not using it. No. You are the moral example for your children. Yeah. Some people don't even realize why their children are not into church anymore. Or don't go to church anymore. Or don't value the things of God. It's because of the example you set after you have left church. After they have seen you singing in the choir or even preaching or sharing whatever, they have seen you going around the church, sister spiritual, brother spiritual, they have seen you, high and mighty, they see you. And then they see how you behave in the house and they see the lifestyle you have in the house and they realize that this church thing is absolute, it's not a, it's a joke. Yeah. But you wonder why do they not want to serve God? Why do they not have a passion for God? Why do they not have a heart for God? Because you have not showed it to them right. And, it, and when we talk about moral behavior, it's even basic things. Do you understand? Your friend comes to visit you. As soon as she leaves, you start insulting her or you say something about her. It just, they realize that anytime you see somebody, you have something to say. You are teaching them. You are anointing them. You are preparing them to be gossips. Yeah, because they also just grow up and assume that, listen, we just talk about everybody. Even the one that they know that is your best friend, when she comes and she goes, you, you have something to say. Yeah. She thinks her marriage is so good. Let's watch and see. And then the person just comes in. Oh, I've missed you. Hey, I prepared some food for you. Come, let's go and eat. You are confusing your children. You are confusing your children. Yeah. And you won't understand how they also grow up and become exactly like that. When you have a family, when you have children, you must remember that everything you do ministers to them. Everything you do ministers to them, good or bad, ministers to them. You know, one of the things Phoebe has been saying lately, and I've, I've been arguing about it, and I'm disputing it till now. Because she said, Mommy, I've become just like you. I said, what do you mean by that? Yeah, she said, yeah, in uni, you know, when people are going through certain problems, I just tell them as it is, you know, and then they ask me, well, how can you have an answer from, it's from my mother? I'm like, no, it's not from your mother. You, you have learned this thing by yourself. It's not, it's not from, yeah. See, you, you, you are not showing emotion. She said, mm, it's from my mother. Yeah. I, I say, yeah, me, I'm emotional. If you are not. Yeah. But you should, you should see that that is how our children learn. So if it's a bad thing, they are learning it. If it's a good thing, they are learning it. Yeah, they see that if they see their parents as hypocritical, they also become it. Yeah. They will become it. They will fake it. They will show it. They will act it exactly as they have seen it at home. 
Let us apply moral wisdom. Let us have that sense of, you know, when it's wrong, is wrong. When it's right, is right. Whether it's behind closed doors or not. The next one, the wisdom of the soul. What am I talking about? I'm talking about having insight and understanding. And that is why when you begin to have a family, you need to begin to educate yourselves in different areas, different aspects. You know, you need to have understanding of certain things. You need to have discernment. Proverbs 8, 12, the Bible says this in the message Bible. I'm going to read it from the message and the NLT. It says that I am lady, Proverbs 8, 12, I am lady wisdom and I live next door to sanity. Knowledge and discretion live just down the street. If you are not careful, you will go insane as a parent. If you don't discern and you are not sensitive beyond the obvious, beyond the natural, you go crazy. Because you'll be like, I'm, I'm doing my best. What's going on? But you have to see beyond the obvious. The NLT says that wisdom lives together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. I know where to go and get knowledge. I know where to discover discernment. The place where you discover discernment is in prayer. It's in, on your knees. It's on your knees. Sometimes you don't even need to argue with your children, with your, whatever the issue is. If you want to discern what is really going on, forget about them and go into prayer so that God can show it to you clearly, so that the Holy Spirit can reveal to you what exactly is going on, so that you can keep your sanity. Yeah. yeah. A lot of mothers, they become imbalanced. Yeah. And then you don't, you see that the least thing they are triggered. The least thing they are triggered. The least thing they are, they are either overly excited, really down, up, down, up, down. Because they can't see. One of the things I've learned is that sometimes on the outside things may be chaos. But if you're a spiritual person, you will see that in the realms of the spirit, there's stillness. And you won't be shaken by what is on the exterior. And sometimes everything looks nice. But when you're a sensitive person in the realms of the spirit, you know that no, there's a shaking coming. So even though everything is joy, you increase your prayer level. You increase your, because you can see what is not clearly seen. That is why sometimes people get so surprised that the marriage was going so smoothly. When did it break down? It broke down long ago, but you were not seeing it. When you become sensitive and you begin to look at things beyond the natural, you even begin to see when changes are happening to your children. Do you know that sometimes your children can be going through things and don't tell you or they can't tell you? But when you are sensitive to it, you'll be able to detect that something is wrong with my child. Something is not right. Something is not. And you also become more sensitive to what they are going through. It's one of the things that breaks my heart, especially for certain cultures. When our children are being abused, we treat it so lightly. We ignore it, or sometimes we even blame the child. We speak as if they have done something wrong, rather than coming to their aid and realizing that, no, if my child is saying somebody is abusing them, then somebody is abusing them. Because when a child even agrees to a sexual relationship with a very old person, the child is still being abused. 
Because their yes is coming from a childish place. But then you realize that because of the parents' shame and because of their standing and to protect themselves, they'll rather sit on it. And that will destroy the child. Rather than saying, no, I've got my child's back. This one cannot happen. And stand with the child. They'll tell them. I think it was about a year ago. I don't know who sent it to me. There was this issue in Europe somewhere. You know, where the mother's new husband was abusing her child. And the child told the mother. The mother rebuked the child. So the child went to tell another, I think the mother's sister, brought the mother's sister. And then the mother's sister and the mother joined together to rebuke her. So she decided to record it. Yeah. And they were really on her case. That she does it, she's, she's jealous of her mother's new relationship. Small girl, how can she be jealous of her mother's new relationship? So it was only her other sister who came to her aid and said, I was also abused. But it is the responsibility of us as parents to become sensitive to some of these things. To be able to discern that something is wrong. And also to be able to discern the people who come around our children. Everybody babysit my child. It's not everybody who should babysit your child. And when your child tells you they don't want to go to a certain place again, believe them. Don't let them go. And when you don't feel right about your child going somewhere, you don't feel right about it. Don't let them go. A lot, especially African children, are being abused. But the parents are either shy, the embarrassment, will cover it, will hide it. And that is a traumatic thing that stays with the child for a long time. Yeah. Let me just give you the last one so that... The last one that I'll give you for today is the spiritual dimension. What am I talking about? The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The first thing as a mother is that you yourself must have a deep and a personal relationship with God. Your fear of the Lord, your reverent fear, your respectful fear of God is what lays a foundation for your children. Proverbs 9, the Bible says in verse... 10. Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you'll be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you'll be the one to suffer. The foundation for you is your relationship with God. When you are a mother, you cannot joke with your relationship with God. You cannot joke with your time of prayer. You cannot joke with the time you have in your word. Because your spiritual well-being, your level of spirituality is what will become a blessing to your family. When you are spiritually well, when you are spiritually stable, then you can carry your children. Then they can stand on your shoulders. But if you are spiritually weak, then the door is open for all kinds of things to just enter and attack your children. Yeah. You have to stand at the gate. But how can you stand at the gate? You only stand at the gate in prayer, in the word, so that you can speak over them. You can declare things over them. You can decree things. You have that authority. What you speak will negate what others have spoken. But what you speak must be in line with the word of God. 
Second Chronicles 19, the Bible says the fear of God means hating evil. Proverbs 14, 26, the Bible says the fear of God builds up confidence and makes a world safe for your children. Did you get that from the message? Proverbs 14, 26, the fear of God builds up confidence and makes a world safe for your children. The fear of God is a spring of living water, so you won't go off drinking from poisoned wells. When you stay on your knees, when you spend time in prayer over your children, there is no way they will go off drinking poisoned water. There is no way they will go seeking solutions from other places. The one that you have spoken over them is the one that will sustain them.